again, it is Adam, and we had the opportunity to talk to Troy Doherty over Zoom. Troy was born and raised in Jersey. He actually lived uh, a couple of miles west of the Jersey Shore. He says, nothing like, nothing like the show. Actually, a lot of those people are apparently are from New York. <laughs> so nothing like the show whatsoever. But he said it was crazy because where he lived was a farm town. They farmed like, uh, they had alpaca farms and horses and, and tomato farms. And you just ride your bike two miles east and you're at the ocean. But he lived there for a while, ended up moving to New York to pursue a career in acting and musical theater. He's always been a singer. He picked up piano and guitar around 11 years old and started writing music shortly after that. He was in the play Oliver at a young age, and he was doing that in, I believe, the Jersey area. After Oliver kind of wrapped up, he wanted to continue his career in acting. So his mother and him moved to Los Angeles. After spending some time in L.A., he really, really fell in love with songwriting and the music scene. So he took a trip to Nashville and he never left. He's currently still in Nashville. And during the course of the pandemic, he put together this really rad idea. It was actually his dad's idea. He said, you know, why don't you go outside to the cul-de-sac you're living in and just start playing guitar, playing, playing your songs, you know, live streaming them from your cul-de-sac. And it became this big thing. It started to kind of build. And then people were coming outside of their house to watch him perform in the cul-de-sac. Then they started inviting more people to the cul-de-sac. And it's became this big kind of phenomena, this show that just kind of grew out of him doing live streams during the pandemic, where now you can show up to his cul-de-sac. It's on Calvin Court. He named his record after Calvin Court, where he does these cul-de-sac shows. And it draws hundreds of people. So he talks about how he started doing these cul-de-sac shows and recording his new record and putting it out. And it's once again, it's called Calvin Court. So definitely check that out and check out the interview with Troy. It's up on our Facebook page, YouTube channel at bringing it backwards. We'd love it if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at bringing back pod. We'd appreciate your support. If you follow and subscribe to our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're bringing it backwards with Troy. So this podcast is all about you and your journey in music. And of course, we'll talk about the new record you put out as well. Thank you. So. Cool, cool. Um, born and raised in Jersey. 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 Tell me about that a little bit. Um, I was born in Inglewood, New Jersey. Um, uh, grew up in, uh, in Morristown a little bit, kind of northern Jersey, Morris County. I was there until I was about six. And uh, then I moved down to the Jersey Shore. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> um, about 20 minutes north of where the show was filmed. And, okay. and were you living there while the show was being filmed? I actually was living there while the show was being filmed. That's and, hilarious. And everybody in my town, all the neighboring towns, they're not like that. I would Nobody. imagine that it's kind of like an, a very blown up version of what it would be there. Yeah, it was definitely more of a of, hey, because a lot of the cast was from New York. Um, so really? Like, this is not even this is not even Jersey people. I think one of them was from New Jersey. That's um, hilarious. So it, I guess they were just capturing the whole essence of what they did there. But I grew up in a, in a town called Wall Township, which was about two miles from the beach, kind of like a farm town, actually. Mm -hmm. um, That's interesting. Yeah, it was like we'd have farms, we had tomato farms. Um, it was it was really beautiful there. And mm -hmm. um, to be two miles from the beach, I mean, hey, you can ride your bike to the beach see the Belmar pro where all like the surfers would come like Kelly Slater was there and it was like a whole, wow. 
yeah, it was crazy. It was a cool place to grow up. That's really awesome. I'm from Southern California. So I grew up in San Diego. So oh, nice. uh, it sounds, I mean, you're, 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 uh, you know, growing up in Jersey Shore sounds a bit different because if you go two miles east in California or where I grew up in San Diego, there wasn't farms that you had to go pretty far, you know, yeah. northeast into California to get to the farms. But that's crazy. So you'd be in like a farm ish land, tomato farms, and then you'd leave there and then you could hit the ocean. Yeah, there would be like horse farms. There was an alpaca farm um, <laughs> in my town that you drive by. And, and then literally you'd go right down 18th Ave and, and, and boom, you were at the beach. Wow, that's crazy. It was, it was crazy. It was how long, Yeah, yeah. How long were you in? Did you go to high school and stuff there? No, so I, um, I was there until I was in seventh grade. And then in eighth grade, I was like in transition. I moved to New York City. So oh. um, I lived in New York City for a year. Uh, because my my mom and I would drive to New York City for auditions and training. Basically, I was 11. I decided to become an actor. And um, she was like, okay. And so I started doing musical theater in um, the Algonquin Theater, which was in Manasquan, which was the rival town to Wall Township. And, okay. um, and then I kind of got the bug, I guess. Uh -huh. And um, I did uh, the traveling troupe in the Count Basie Theater, um, in Red Bank, New Jersey. And that, uh, and that was really cool. We'd go to like old folks homes and, and we would put on shows and it was a lot of fun. And uh, the woman who was running it, her name's Yvonne Scuttery. She said to my mom, she said, you know, this kid's got something. So if you really want to do it, you got to go to New York. My mom said, okay. And she asked me, do you really want to do this? And I said, yes. And so we would just drive to New York almost wow. every day. Oh, wow. It takes commitment. And so I, I, I really uh, have really unbelievable parents. I was going to say, what, what great advocates for you to, to actually want to like help you pursue something like that instead of being yeah. like, oh, yeah, New York. Uh, how about you go to school and become like a teacher or something? You know what I mean? Like to be like, no, let's do this. Let's pick this up. We're going to if you want to do this, we're going to do this. Like, I think that's so cool. And that was cool because my, my parents were that way for, for my brothers as well. I got two older brothers okay. and they were very big advocates on, if you don't want to put your cleats on, we don't have to play the sport. I like you know? that. So if, if you don't want to do it, we don't have to do it. But if you want to do it, do it and do it right. And like right. put in the effort and you're going to do it um, and try to be the best at it if you're going to do it. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. And um, so when I was 14, I moved to New York. And wow. So wait, well, prior to moving to New York, I'm yeah. curious, how did you get into music? Well, it sounds like your brothers were more into sports or were they music as well? My oldest brother um, played guitar and he plays the okay. bass now. Um, more of like a, a hobby. But when I was younger, I would come in that same 11, 12 as when I kind of started learning how to play the piano and the guitar. Uh, apparently, I just like popped out singing. Oh, OK. Singing all the time. And getting up on tables in Long Beach Island and singing Mambo Number no. Five is apparently a, a big story. <laughs> that was a classic. That <laughs> uh, I knew. It's like the first song I knew when I was, you know, four years old. I knew like every word apparently. That's um, funny. And so I kind of just always had it. You know, music was always on in the house. It was always uh -huh. on in the car. Really eclectic, you know, smorgasbord of of music as well. So it was like ACDC, uh -huh. Aerosmith, 
you know, Billy Joel, Queen, Johnny Cash, musical theater. We had pop music that was on Third Eye Blind. It was like a big, strange, like melting pot. Of yeah, music. melting pot. Bruce, <laughs> my dad's a huge Bruce fan. So, I mean, from oh, Jersey, cool. of, course, of course, you know, Bruce Springsteen was on in the car and it was just it was all the time. That's so cool. Yeah. And then you, you get into musical theater. Were you playing? You said you played piano and guitar around 11. Were you doing yeah. that as well along with like, what was the, did you want to be in like Broadway or was it more like, I just, I knew I wanted to be a part of it. Okay. Um, which part I didn't really know. Um, I really, really enjoyed performing. Okay. So however I could perform, that was kind of what, you know, sparked the, the little, the chills and the excitement sure, in my body. Sure. Okay. Um, and when I did, Oliver at the John W. Newman Theater in um, Long Island. I mean, getting that instant reaction of like, ah, that was, it was incredible. Mm -hmm. It was incredible. And, yeah. um, and so I really, I knew I enjoyed that. I knew I enjoyed singing. Um, I started writing music when I moved to New York because uh, my, my late voice teacher told me, he's like, hey man, you should probably write music. You know, you, why not? You know, help you kind of work through some things as well as you never know. You could, you could write a, a pretty good song and then your whole life can change from that. So uh -huh. I started writing then. Um, all the songs were bad. <laughs> I was 14 and not didn't know what I was, <laughs> what I was doing. Right. And uh, I was just training in New York and doing a lot of, um, you know, vocal lessons and acting classes mm -hmm. and um, different shows here and there. And, and, uh, but, but always writing and always practicing and playing and, were you going to like a performing arts, like high school or anything? Or was it just something no, that you I was homeschooled. Doing? Oh, you were homeschooled. Okay. So in eighth grade, I was homeschooled. Um, and then in, in that same time, I auditioned for the Manhattan School of Music okay. for, um, for like opera singing. Um, oh, wow. And, yeah, it was kind of cool. And I actually got in. I got into this, the Manhattan School of Music for opera singing. Um, but it got to the point of, hey, do I want to stay in New York and do this opera singing thing uh -huh. or do i want to go to los angeles and pursue more of an acting film tv okay. career wow well real quick on the opera singing yeah. that's that's quite a task right i mean you got to sing in a different language i mean you have to have like this big voice to get in that must have kind of solidified the fact that you could sing quite well i would think yeah i guess that did i i mean it was it was really strange, you know, thinking back on it now, to me, it was just like another thing. <laughs> it was just, you know? hey, okay, you can do this. It was just like, oh, do you want to audition for it? And I was like, yeah, sure, why not? I'm singing anyway. Mm -hmm. Let me just sing it. And um, I went to this, uh, to this woman, her name was um, Amelia DeMaio. And she Any relation to Charlie? No, that's D'Amelio. I'm dumb. That's Sorry. <laughs> hey, you never know. Maybe somewhere in the tree, they split off and they change. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, we, um, I just, I, she taught me how to kind of say the Italian correctly and, okay. and how to sing that way. Was that hard? Was it hard to like, did you even know what you were saying? Or was it like, no, no idea. Okay. No idea. And I can still remember some of it now, but I'm like, I have no idea what I'm saying. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm saying. I know how to say it and I know when not to breathe. Interesting. If I breathe halfway through. It's like me breathing in the middle of a word. 
Oh, like, okay. Some thing and then breathe and it would be really weird. Got um, it. So, but that was cool. Uh-huh. And but, then uh, so I, you eventually yeah. get to LA. Like when, how old were you when you moved to Los Angeles and what made that move? I was 15. Oh, you're 15. And your parents, your mom was like, okay, let's, we're, we're going to leave New York. We're going to LA. Kind of. So what happened was um, <laughs> your family rules, man. <laughs> my, uh, my dad got a job in Atlanta. Okay. And my brothers were both in college. So it kind of got to this point of, do we stay here? Do we go to Atlanta? Do, kids are going to college. You know, what do we do? And I decided instead of going to the Manhattan School of Music, I did want to pursue acting in Los Angeles. Like TV film? Mm -hmm. Okay. And when I did Oliver um, in Long Island, the kid mm -hmm. who played Oliver, because I played the Artful Dodger, um, he was from Massachusetts. And him and I and his sister and his family um, and my mom and I lived in the same house because they were kind of coming from Massachusetts. We were coming up from Jersey to Long Island. So we kind of stayed there during the run of the show for a little while, probably okay. four days a week uh -huh. um, during rehearsals and, and shows and stuff like that. And they were also moving to Los Angeles. So we were like, hey, why don't Let's we do this again? <laughs> we'll go, we'll crush it. And um, so we had a roommate there. And so we knew somebody there, which was great. And my aunt lived there as well. So okay. we had some family there, but we kind of just went and we, and we, you know, joined um, interlocked hands and we kind of walked into LA together and dad went to Atlanta, kids, kids, my brothers went to college and um, I was there for eight years. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So while, while in LA where did, do you continue to pursue the acting career or when does this switch to more, you know, singer songwriter music coming? So I always, I, since New York, I've, I've been writing, um, mm -hmm. just writing all the time. And it was more like me to process my emotions as mm -hmm. a human being and try to kind of understand what I'm feeling. And um, I'm a very big talk it out person rather okay. than sit in my brain and try to think it too hard. That's yeah. the opposite of me. I'll just sweep it under the rug and move. It's <laughs> <laughs> horrible. <laughs> well, yeah, I just, um, and so I was writing basically while I was there uh -huh. and um, I got an agent manager. I was lucky enough to book jobs to keep me paying rent, which was great. Um, mm -hmm. First three auditions I got when I was there, I booked them all. Wow. What was it like auditioning? Had you ever auditioned that way before or was it totally different once you in the acting I, world versus the like auditioning for you know, opera or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Before, it so it is different. Um, it is different just because um, it was a little more one person with a camera in a room. Mm -hmm. Go. Type right. Of While musical theater auditions, they can be, there's 400 people here and we're all going to come in and dance first. And then we're going to be like, okay, you know, section A, B, F, and G, you all can go home. Um, and so that way, which is good and bad at the same time, because it was kind of like, cool, I didn't book that. Done. Oh, so wow. Well, so they could cut you right before you even got to singing. They're like, mm -hmm. you aren't dancing. Your, your dancing isn't a, a par or, you know, you're, you're not good enough yet. So peace out. 
We're not even, it, we don't even care what you sound like yet. And it depends wow. on the show. It depends on the show. I mean, some shows are more dancing forward. Some are more acting. Some uh-huh. are more um, singing. And like with Oliver, um, I went in. They were just doing a bunch of kids coming in and singing. Uh-huh. Um, and they asked me, they're like, hey, Dad, can you do it in a, in a Cockney accent? And my 12-year-old body was like, hell yeah. Of course I can. I could do that. You're like, did you say Cockney? Of course I can. I'm like, oh, Cockney, <laughs> duh. <laughs> all, all day. And then I was like, Cockney. And I was like, well, I'll just do a British. And then I remember talking to my mom. They were like, oh, I'm going to stay. Because they like let a bunch of kids go. And then again, they had like another round of singing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, yeah, I went in and I sang in a Cockney accent. And they're having me stay. And she's like, you can sing in a Cockney accent? I'm like, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but acting auditions are, are not like that. Right. They were more one-on-one. Type. Come in. Thank you so much. And then you'd hear. Days later days or something later, like that. A few weeks later, or you'll never hear. It was never yeah. like that. You never had the closure of like, you didn't. Right. You just kind of have to assume after two weeks that you didn't get it. Yeah. Or you, Hey, Hey, can you follow up, you know, and, and see what happened? And right. Rather like, Oh yeah, they're, you're, in the mix or they went in a different direction. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. So you're fan, you're, that was paying the bills. And then you were always writing music alongside with it is what it sounds like. Yeah. And as I kind of progressed as a human being and kind of grew to understand a little bit more about how life works. Um, I don't fully understand it yet. I don't, I don't think anyone does, does. <laughs> but, um, as I did that, I, I really enjoyed music. Um, I really did. Um, uh-huh. I had a friend of mine ask me, what do I like more, music or acting? And that was always a really scary question for me because I would think about all the decisions I've made that led me to this point. And uh-huh. I was like, oh, did I go the wrong way? You know, if I, en- if I enjoy music more, which I do, um, have I wasted my time? Right. I'm in LA and should I have done the Manhattan School of Music and, and really focused on, on that and gone into a conservatory to really learn it all? Um, or did I do the right thing? And, and the truth is, I, I mean, I can't go back in time. I wouldn't regret it. I mean, all the experiences I had in, in LA were incredible. And the people I met are like my best friends. So I would definitely not change a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's cool is after experiencing the acting world and it's basically in its entirety. Um, I got to realize, okay, I really enjoy it and I do like acting and I still pursue it and I'm very happy with it, but music is kind of where my heart is. Mm -hmm. And songwriting is just something that I need to, um, to kind of progress as a human being. And a song uh, called mistake that's on the EP Mm -hmm. that, uh, a friend of mine heard and she told me you have to go play this out like people need to hear this song mm-hmm. and that was a little scary for me to share sure so you hadn't yeah. been performing in front of people at this point it was just kind of something you were doing as like a side kind of hobby thing or not a hobby thing but like something you're you're keeping to yourself mm-hmm. in that sense yeah it was more me dealing with my things 
Okay. Rather than, oh, I'm going to go play a show and I'm going to continue to, to do that. Um, but she said, she's like, you have to go share this. And I knew in my heart and my soul that I needed to do that, even though that was a little, little scary, not going to lie. But you got to find comfort in the uncomfortable. Uh-huh. And I went for it. I, I booked a hour set at a coffee shop like two weeks later. <laughs> and then my, uh, my producer, Marty Fredrickson, heard the same song, heard Mistake, um, because uh, Michael Keeling is really good friends with him. And he shared it with him and unbeknownst to me. And Marty reached out and was like, hey, man, why don't you uh, come to Nashville for the summer? be here for a few months and love to meet you, man. And I thought about it and I was like, Oh, that's, that's kind of cool and, and scary, but yeah, I think that would be cool. And so came out to Nashville for two months and then I never left. Oh, wow. So you came out for two and then you, wow, that's incredible. So you're in Nashville now, obviously Nashville. Now I How paid cool. in LA for a full year. Cause I was not going to let my roommate go down with the ship. I was like, <laughs> that's was like, nice I, of you. I, like, I got you, man. I got you. But it was, uh, yeah, I was living in Nashville while I was paying rent in LA for a place I wasn't living in. Um, just because I didn't want to go back. What year did you move to Nashville? 2019. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's funny. To- Cause my family just moved to Nashville. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. We moved here in, I would say March. I mean, very oh, okay. last few days of February. You remember when the snowstorm, that crazy snowstorms happened and yeah. it froze all the big windmills in Texas? Mm-hmm. That next Monday we left mm. <laughs> from California. <laughs> but what was perfect, it was like the clouds opened up and like there was not like our oh. weather. I mean, our weather was perfect, man. We get here and we we didn't see snow until we got to Memphis. We stayed outside of Memphis, I can't remember the town. It was a pretty fairly nice town, right? When you get over that bridge and um, there was snow piled up on the sides, like by our hotel. And so my kids got to run and jump in like the gross snow that was kind of piled up on the side. Yeah, like the, the, the driving dirty street snow. snow. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, dude, it was like perfect. And and we've been here and we, this is, we're never leaving. We love it. We love it here. So it feels like home. Dude, I'm sure for you, too, because it's more of like you got the farming thing, the like little farm town ish vibe. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know where you live in Nashville, but we're we live south down by Franklin and it's I'm in know, Franklin. Oh, well, there you go. There you we're go. Neighbors. Yeah, we so are red. <laughs> oh, cool. OK, so you when you moved here, you now you're in Franklin. So you moved to, to, to Nashville and what do you start trying to get in sessions and writing with people? Like, what was your next step? So I met with Marty and um, Marty liked me mm-hmm. and he said, Hey man, why don't you, uh, you know, go down to the studio uh, at Sienna studios and practice the piano because I didn't have a piano here yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, yeah, my son will be there so he can let you in and you know, you can just hang and practice. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, cool. So I went in and um, I was greeted by this very tall skinny blonde kid named Evan um and basically since that day we kind of been like best friends wow and uh it was funny i went into the studio 
and played the piano. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. It was like a beautiful Yamaha grand piano. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, it sounded so good. I put the headphones on. I could like hear my voice in the microphone, like really crispy. Mm -hmm. And um, I ended up playing Foolish, which is also on the EP. Mm -hmm. um, and I played it in its entirety. And it was just like a little piano solo kind of it. Um, before it is what it is now mm -hmm. um and i finish it and it was like it kind of felt like i was in a movie like it was like boom boom and ended and all of a sudden i hear that was great man sounds good and i was like what the <laughs> yeah wait what <laughs> he's like yeah we uh recorded the whole thing so you could just uh you keep keep going you know oh wow and and i was like uh uh, <laughs> now I was nervous and I was right. like, Oh, you're now going to mess up because I know you're listening. Um, so it was, it was so funny. And, and basically since that day, Evan and I have been, I've been great. And I've been working with Marty, um, since then. And I've written with a few people around town and, uh -huh. you know, getting acclimated to the area and just, you know, learning the, the music business sure. rather than, than the acting business, which, they're kind of still the entertainment business, but mm -hmm. uh, different skins of the same beast, I guess. Right, right. Wow. So you moved here in 2019. And then how, I mean, to finally kind of get acclimated with the studio and recording. And then how quickly after that did 2020 in the pandemic hit? And then now you're inside. Well, um, we recorded Foolish and Mistake were the first two songs we recorded. Okay, so you recorded those two, two from the record. Two from the record um, in 2019. We okay. recorded those in 2019. And it was at that point I was starting to learn about writer's rounds. Of like okay. downtown that we have all these writer's rounds where you can just uh -huh. go and, and, and play songs. And so I would just go and I was trying to play writer's rounds as much as possible to not get comfortable performing, but kind of get comfortable performing. Because it's different than performing on a stage, or uh, not a stage, but um, on a set. Uh -huh. acting. It's a little more, hey, I'm up here and I'm being Troy and I'm being fully Troy. Um, I'm not being somebody else playing, a, I'm not playing a character, a musical theater, I'm not playing, I'm playing a character. But uh, doing a performance, I'm just Troy. And I'm trying to be as open and receiving as well as giving as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh -huh. And learning how that relationship worked between the artist and the audience. And, um, and that was cool to kind of learn that. And I booked a, a so far show in New York city and it was really cool. I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'm traveling to New York. I'm going to do a show. I'll be able to see some of my friends, you know, come from, from New York, you know, New Jersey. And uh, I ended up booking two shows cause since I was already out there, I was like, Hey, you know, I'll do another one. So mm -hmm. I played at the bitter end and the so far show and COVID started like lingering in like the wings of like this rumor that might be happening. Uh -huh. um, Cause I flew to New York in March of 2020. Okay. And it was getting to that point of like, this might be a big thing. Right, and especially coming to New York when it's like the gnarliest. Actually, at that point, it probably wasn't. It was Seattle was the one that was bubbling up. Yeah, but it was definitely like in the air. For yeah, sure. like we can all smell it. 
you know? <laughs> right, um, right. Can and so, exactly. And so I got to New York and it was kind of eerie because a lot of the streets were kind of empty. Uh-huh. But still, I was like, you know, I'm here. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. And I did this so far show. And it was like an awakening because it was the first time I had ever done a five song set. Okay. Without other people on stage. It was just you and a guitar. Me and a guitar. As wow. At a writer's round, you have other people. Uh-huh. You kind of do the whole, oh, yeah. That's yeah. Oh, you know, you, you play like what, a couple songs and then, or a mm-hmm. song and then it kind of goes around, right? A circle and it comes Yeah, back you play one you. song and then the next person plays another and then the next person plays and then the next person plays and back to you. Got and it. so you get a little bit of time in between to kind of be like, this song's about this. How's everybody doing? Right, right. You know, but you can't say, how's everybody doing if the guy, two, two people down from you, is like, how's everybody doing? <laughs> Yeah, right. like four You're minutes. Like, you just took my line, dude. Yeah, it's like, I, I can't say the same thing. You know? Right. So it was a fully, like, just me thrown into the deep end experience. What was and that like? Was it nerve-wracking prior? It was amazing. At first, I was a little nervous. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I kind of put the So Far Show on this pedestal in my brain. Of like, I'm in New York. I got people coming. It's gonna be just me. Back to your. What if I don't know how to play any of my songs? (laughs) All of that kind of anxiety set in. Uh But somebody told me um, a few years ago that anxiety and courage are the same feeling. It's just the way you think about it. I've never heard somebody say that before. I like that. It was, it really changed the game for me. Mm-hmm. It's when I started feeling anxious. of like, Oh, what if I can't? And, and like, what if I get up there and I trip and I fall like flat on my face and then my voice cracks and my guitar explodes. <laughs> like what, what's going to happen instead. And instead of like kind of diving into that pool, you know, I kind of switched my mindset kind of be like hey you get to go up there and mm-hmm. you get to perform and you get to show the people who showed up to the show what you're made of and you get to like you get to change their world even but in in just this quick little 25 minute set mm-hmm. you get to change their world in a, in, a, in a little bit of a way and you get to do that and so if you go up there and you fall on your face like they're gonna remember you and you're gonna play it off because you're Troy and you can do that and you know how to improvise and, and live in the moment and you can do that. And so it was a cool, like stepping into this new body experience. Uh-huh. And then the next day, the national emergency hit. Oh my gosh. And all shows were shut down. <laughs> so I got to have this like big climactic moment Right. Where I was like at the top of the mountain and then, then the mountain just disappeared. Yeah. Crashed under. Oh my exactly. gosh. Well, at least you had that opportunity and that chance to do that. Cause you, could you imagine like not? And then like, do you go the next year and a half? Like, okay, I'll find, I want, can't wait to get out there. Like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe that feeling would kind of dissipate a little bit and you're like, well, mm-hmm. should I be acting? I mean, I don't know. It could have changed your it perspective. It could have been a whole, I could have spiraled. 
Right. Um, and instead of spiraling, spiraling down, I decided to spiral up. Right. And when I got back to Nashville, I saw a bunch of my friends doing Instagram lives. Mm -hmm. And since I just had this like big moment, mm -hmm. I was like, I got to, I know I got to perform. I got to show people me, you know? Mm -hmm. Sure. <laughs> and, um, but how was I going to do that through a phone <laughs> and really yeah. connect? And my dad said, he's like, Hey man, why don't you go out on the driveway and just do an Instagram live out there? Oh, and I was like, are you out of your mind? <laughs> I'm like play for nobody in an empty cul-de-sac. That's crazy. Just like some guy singing at a cul-de-sac to nobody. Uh -huh. I'm like, that sounds like the craziest thing I've ever heard. But deep down, I was like, that's a, kind of a good idea. Yeah. That's a cool so idea. The, no one, I, don't, I haven't heard of anyone doing that, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I hadn't at the time. And I, because I, I, I just, everybody was in their bedroom and right. just was. And I thought, you know what? All right. Well, this upcoming Thursday, I'll go out. I'll let my neighbors know. That way, like the HOA doesn't get all mad yeah. that I have an amp and I'm playing music out in my cold snack. So I let my neighbors know. I'm like, hey, I'm going to be playing some music. And they were like, okay, cool. We'll come out and we'll sit. And I was like, oh, that's very nice of you. Yeah, Come support you. I like that. Yeah, of course. It was good. And it was a good feeling. But at the same time, it was scary because I'm like, oh, if I'm bad, <laughs> they live like, right there. Yeah. <laughs> this guy, like, they'll tell all their friends, like, our neighbor, he sucks. Like, no, he, keeps, <laughs> he keeps coming out and he's trash. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, that's what I was worried make about. Make sure not to show up on a Thursday because this mm -hmm. guy's going to be outside just destroying your ears. Don't come over. <laughs> no. But I went out and I, um, I had my ring light and a microphone and my, and my Fender amp and my guitar. Uh -huh. And I went out and I just, I played for about 30 minutes uh -huh. and I was like, okay, I'm done. You know, <laughs> everybody. Uh -huh. And I, and my neighbors were like, oh, you're going to do it next week. And then I was like, oh, sure. Right. Sure. So slowly every Thursday for about two months, I played in my cul-de-sac. Wow. And then slowly people just walking by would stop and be like, kind of what's, go what's going on, you know, type of thing. Uh -huh. And then at two months that kind of made it like end of May, middle of May. Uh -huh. um, I invited Evan, my producer's son to come and, and join with me. I was like, Hey man, another guitar might be cool. Uh -huh. You know, have a harmony. And so he came and we started playing together and, June rolled around and we started doing every, still every week. And, and then 4th of July came and, and it was July 2nd. It was the, the weekend of 4th of July and 170 people showed up in my cul-de-sac. Wow. We had speakers, we had an, a, a cocktail kit for drums and it was like this whole event that people That's came rad. to. And the kids were running around blowing bubbles. We were giving away popsicles and, um, and bands in town actually was like, Hey, we, we love kind of what you're doing. Um, we'd love to have a live performance of you guys. So 
So that performance, we, we went live on Band in Town. Whoa. And then over, and then we continued, and we switched it to every other week so that way we could have some time to prepare. Mm-hmm. And still we had, we would have like 130, 150, 160 people in like the heart of COVID coming out to a cul-de-sac in my neighborhood in Franklin. <laughs> Just listen to music. That's so rad. And it was insane. It was crazy. And like, ever, of course, everybody was like socially distanced. Nobody was like sneezing on each other. And it was outside and like it was hot out. So we were following all the guys you know, wearing masks and all uh-huh. um, And it was crazy. And we did that all the way up until October. Wow. And it was just unbelievable experience. And in um, September, um, right before September, in August, um, we talked to Marty because we, we had the two songs kind of in the tank, right? Uh-huh. And um, neither one of them felt like the first single. And I had this song called Unbreakable. Mm-hmm. That. Marty was like, I really like this. He's like, it feels good for the time. Mm-hmm. feels like a good song to come out with. And so we went into the studio, we recorded it and uh, we had a conversation about like lyrics. And he's like, I feel like this section can be deeper Mm -hmm. that we can hit it home more. And I was like, okay. So I sat down with Evan and Evan and I just powered through it. And um, Evan and I enhanced it and we took it to the next level. And and that became the first single. Wow. It came out in September. Okay. And, uh, and then undercover came out in November Mm -hmm. and, um, and then we felt that Foolish could come out in, in, in February. And uh, the whole record came out, right? The whole record came out in, uh, in June. And then we did a release show of, uh, of the EP here. At, at the cul-de-sac? Like, you know what? We'll do a cul-de-sac show as like their EP release show. That's um, right. Bring it back. Everybody's been asking me about it. And um, the EP is called Calvin Court. Mm-hmm. And that's the street I live on. Is that the street in Franklin? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's rad. And so when you look at the album cover, that manhole, that's like. Uh-huh. Yeah. With the microphone on it. Yeah. That, that, uh, that's the manhole in my cul-de-sac. No way. Yeah. I, uh, I did some Photoshopping to like have it not say whatever it said. And I had it. Say right. Uh, but all those but still all the cracks that are on the sides. Oh, that's um, all real, too. That's not photoshopped. That's those, all that are real. colored in blue the blue yeah outlines. i just put it in blue and and like that's actually my microphone that i took a picture of and and the bubbles are like an homage to all the kids blowing bubbles oh and like the bubbles took like three and a half hours to make by itself <laughs> which bet. was like the hardest part of the album and <laughs> bubbles you're like these kids man <laughs> like, oh, the bubble, to get the swirl of the bubble and the color i was like oh my gosh but um but yeah everybody i, I told everybody and and then on the EP release show, we had a full band. And oh, I've seen some photos on uh, on online of the full band playing. I believe, and there's people sitting in the cul-de-sac, girl like on a tricycle. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm gonna actually. We had a videographer at that show, and um, I'll be posting that that video um, within the next like week or so to kind of right. promote the the August. Yeah, you have another one coming up in August and then another one in September, right? Yeah. And if you're in town, please come. Well, I was going to say, uh, I'll, I'll talk to you off uh, off recording about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Um, uh, I def my family and I are definitely going to try to make the September one. Well, I could, I could just say it now. Uh, the one in the August show that you have coming up, my parents are coming to town from <laughs> San Diego. So. Oh, nice. <laughs> if oh, I can yeah. convince them and my sister, we have, we have a whole crew and that's like their last night here. Um, yeah. So I'm not sure what they want to do, but, mm -hmm. or what they have their eyes set on, but definitely the September show. I love that you have that. Uh, what time do they start? If you don't mind me asking, they there's no time on your website. They started at 630. Um, okay. You know, since I know there's a lot of kids in my neighborhood. I was going to say, my my kids are going to be in school, so we'll have to just cruise on over over after yeah. they get off. And it was kind of like, it's kind of like a 630 to like 8, 830-ish thing uh -huh. because a lot of the people in my neighborhood have young kids. And I was like, I know bedtime is a, is a time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also, I, don't, I didn't want to get in any trouble with the HOA. Um, mm -hmm. And they've been all really cool about it. That's so um, rad that you just let people show up. Was that kind of a, a nerve-wracking thing to give out your, I mean, essentially your address? Yeah, it was weird. But at the same time, I was kind of like, I want people here. Right. <laughs> and I trust people. Uh-huh, um, which is great. Yeah, I trust them to be like, hey, they're not going to just show up on my door right. and like, you know, come in. You know, they, they, <laughs> is this for that cul-de-sac show this thing is, is happening you know um and everybody in my neighborhood is really cool and you know i run the neighborhood a lot and i handed out like little pamphlets for the july uh, for the june 18th show uh or june 17th show uh -huh. and i put them in everybody's mailbox and was kind of like hey i'm gonna be playing some music you know come on down and uh we had 230 people wow. in the club in the cul-de-sac yeah that's it was so amazing everybody was dancing it was a cool like got everybody up on their feet they brought their own chairs you know mm -hmm. bring the kids everybody it, it's just like a fun little it was just so fun and it really helped me grow as a performer because mm -hmm. now i can go anywhere and be like oh i know how this works i know how to how to work it sure um, is this something that will continue on through the year? Uh, uh, probably up until September, maybe okay. October. Um, just depends on on other shows. You know, I've been I've been traveling to Atlanta a few times to do some private shows there and um, shows around town. Um, yeah, I saw you played like Leapers Fork and uh, a couple Nashville shows. Yeah, um, so it kind of depends, really. I mean, I I really enjoy it because it's my way to give to them. Uh -huh. I mean, it's not paid. Like it's free, Everybody right? Right. And it's a fun little, just hey, a little hang and listen to music and give you guys some some happiness. I like that. Let me just throw this out there for the cul-de-sac show. Halloween. You should we do had it. a Halloween one last year. Oh, you did. Okay, then never mind. My idea wasn't as cool as I thought it was. Had a Halloween. <laughs> we didn't have one on Halloween, but we had one leading up. To, like I think it was the twenty-second. Oh, if you did a Halloween night, unless you have stuff going on, kids yeah. would dig that. You know, got candy. You're that in would a costume. Be cool. That's not a bad idea. Like, like <laughs> play a bunch of spooky songs. Duke, yeah, do a bunch of like Monster Mash and those type of covers. Uh, One-eyed, one-horned, <laughs> flying purple people eater. <laughs> there you go. Songs. Yeah. Thriller. Oh, that would not be oh, a bad idea. Dude, that'd be so fun. That's that would rad. be cool. That would be cool. <laughs> I'll definitely keep that in mind. 
You should. You should. Yeah. <laughs> well, the record's out. Calvin Court. That's so cool. I, I did see that it was named after a street that you are Philly. I thought it was like a street in, in Jersey or something. But now it all it's all coming together with the coldest because mm -hmm. when I first read cul-de-sac show, I thought it was like I'm like, OK, I'm so new to this area. Is this like a fest? Is this like some street fair that's going on? And I'm like, <laughs> but it's happening a bunch of weekends like and then I'm trying to figure out if you're like if there's other performers like how this works. So I'm so glad that you we were able to you're able to obviously clarify and how much how invested that is into the record. I think that's so awesome. Yeah, it's a, I, I telling stories mm -hmm. and I think that every part of the record tells a story. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Unbreakable starting off the record. It's the first single mm -hmm. and it's such a great opener in my opinion sure. yeah like, really wonderful to grab an audience but as well as also kind of give a a little bit of a hint of of who i am mm -hmm. um and and then mistake coming in at, at number two it's like that's the song that brought me here which i guess is ironic with the title <laughs> being mistake but <laughs> it um it was the second song that we recorded it was uh -huh. mistake um, so coming in at number two is kind of cool. And then, um, undercover, it was, it, it is a story in itself. You know, each song is, is a story and, and it is the undercover is a true story that actually happened. Um, really? yeah, it was, uh, a fun little time that, uh, I wrote that song in like 20 minutes. Really? Yeah. Cause it just fell out of me. It was just, I was so like giddy that I just kind of <laughs> like right kind of I remember I was leaving the gym and it was just like it's happening and I just typed it into my phone on my notes and it just fell out wow fell out and then foolish was I mean foolish is is a big ballad mm -hmm. kind of in that um epic it's an epic right. sure um, sure and um and that was the first song we recorded. You know, it was, was, was. That's foolish. when you sat down on the piano, right? And just started sat down on the piano, away. But even like if forward into like the actual recording process of like mm. doing it, singing songs and, and having the emotion and the gravel kind of in my voice. And that's mm -hmm. also a true story as well. Um, you know, to, uh, I remember I wrote that song on a Thursday and uh, it was a Thursday after Halloween. Really? Um, it was November 1st, actually. And um, I was hungover. <laughs> and I was mad that I was hungover on a, on a Thursday. Uh -huh. And I saw I had a text from my ex. And I just felt so foolish that I still had feelings for her, even though uh -huh. I broke up with her. Uh -huh. And I kind of just I sat at the piano and kind of just came out. Wow. And, and then to come up to follow that with five, five minute friend, it's like friend. total bop in my opinion. Yeah. Like that was, it's just so fun. And, and it tells a, a great story of, of me when I was in New York and got on the wrong train instead of going into, to, to Brooklyn, I went into deep Queens and uh, <laughs> I had my guitar, I had my backpack and I was like, I, I'm so tired because I came from work and I was just like, I went the wrong way and I was kind of beating myself up about it, but there was this girl on this train and she was really nice. And 
I've never seen her since. And it was but a cool it, moment. But she has a song about her. But she has a song. And and then to end it with Guilty, Evan and I wrote Guilty um, on New Year's, uh, New Year's Eve of 2019. Okay. And um, it just kind of happened. He played this thing on the piano and I had this lyric of, that said, I'm guilty to be human. Mm-hmm. We were in his house in like full on suits because we were going to a 20s party. So oh, it was okay. the fanciest, fanciest songwriter session <laughs> yeah. I've ever had. That's funny. That's and it really funny. just encapsulates the music. I mean, the whole record is about growing and, and being human and the different experiences that you have. And, mm-hmm. and I think that the Calvin Court title really captures that. Sure. Because I got to grow here mm-hmm. and and uh, learn more about me and, and i know other artists that did it all across the country and i'm sure they feel the same way of like being able to give back and being able to grow as a performer and and learn more about themselves while focusing on others uh-huh. i love it man i love that and you got some great recognition in the the us weekly magazine right recently yeah, yeah man that's so cool. Page 29, right under the Jennifer Lopez romper. J-Lo. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> That's cool. Like, I mean, that must have been really rad to see yourself in a magazine, like in print. I mean, it's one thing online. I'm sure it's a totally different experience to see it, like, in a magazine on the Kroger line. It's really cool. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. It does, even though it's like, even when you know it's coming, Mm-hmm. That you're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna be there. Oh, okay. You know, and then mm-hmm. you get there and you see it, and then you have to show the cashier. Right. Because you're like, I have to share this moment. Oh, that's cool. You're like, see, this is me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm like, hey, you want to see something cool? Because there's no other way to get around me buying 10 of the same magazine. I was gonna say, are you you must have been going through like pulling them all off the shelf, like, okay, I'm gonna buy 15 of I'm these. I'm like, okay, cool. So these are all this. I'm gonna get all these. And then they yeah. look at you like you must really love the whole like J Lo. You ben love like Yeah, this, this is big news to you, apparently. <laughs> I'm like, don't you know? And uh I remember I said to uh person i was like hey you want to see, see something cool and they were like sure and i flipped open to it and i uh, i showed him and uh it was this guy and this girl and they were both like you know late teens uh-huh. they're like that's you i'm like that is me they're like that's holy so- shit <laughs> <laughs> that's you and i was like yeah they're like oh my god it's so cool that's right uh, so it, it's a cool experience to share that is so cool would have been funny is if you're like did you guys hear <laughs> they're moving back in together and they're talking marriage. I have to go give this to everybody. Crazy. <laughs> wow, man. That's so cool. I, I'm that, that must, yeah, that's what a cool moment to have too with the, with the cashier and, and just being like, look, man, like I'm in this magazine. I got to share this with you. Oh, of course. I would do the same thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That dude, that's rad. I remember my dad like got me on a, a video call. And he's like, he's like, hey, are you free? And I was like, yeah, what's up? And he like pulled his phone back and it's like him at the cashier, like with the magazine. And she's uh, like, hi. <laughs> Here's the magazine. That's rad. What a cool parenting moment. And I was like, <laughs> oh, like, that's cool. I was like, it was such like, a, this is my dad being my dad. But like also 
I recognize like where I am in life. And I'm like, this is a really interesting moment. And it's also like full, kind of full circle for your family being such huge advocates of everything you've mm -hmm. been up to. And then to see you succeed and then make it into an Us Weekly magazine, which everybody knows, right? Yeah. I, it's definitely one of those things that, I mean, I know how much time and effort they've put into it and then put into supporting me. And mm -hmm. I know in my future, like I want to support them uh -huh. in any way I can. And I do, of course. I mean, any questions they have in, in whether it's their business or life or, you know, it's cool growing up. I'm going to end that sentence with just that. It's cool growing up and right. then kind of seeing your parents as like humans instead right. of your parents. Right. And kind of figuring out that they also have like things that they don't know every answer to every question. They, they ruminate and they try to figure it out. And as I've gotten older to be a part of that process, mm -hmm. to kind of kind of step into their brain of what they're really thinking and to be like equals in we're both adults and we're both having a conversation. And yes, you're my mom or my dad and I'm your son, but we both are humans and we both are living this life. That's really, that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. And you have experiences that I'm experiencing and, and I've had experiences that you're now experiencing. And it's like to be able to share all of that is so cool. It's so cool. That is, that's amazing. That is so cool. Well, Troy, man, you've been awesome. I appreciate you doing this, taking Thank time you. to chat with me today. Of course. Anytime. Uh, I'm always down. Cool. Cool. I have one more question for you. I want to know yeah. if you have any advice uh, to aspiring artists. Any advice? I could probably write a book on advice. <laughs> Let's hear it. So um, I guess my slogan as an artist is we're doing it. Mm -hmm. um, and everything I did, my Instagram bio, a lot of the things I say, just, I'm like, yeah, we're doing it. Mm -hmm. And I know a, a lot of artists are trying to do it and they're trying to make it, but you're doing it. You're not trying to do it. You're doing it. You know, the, the booking the show. Um, and this is, I'm going to say this for the full entertainment industry, not just um, music or, or actors, but, you know, booking the show and like, or getting the big stage, that's the job. But the real job is, that is having the auditions, is sitting and practicing, is not being able to figure out a song fully. And you got to take a break and come back to it. That's the job. And so when you, when an artist or an actor or anybody in the entertainment industry is saying that they're trying to do it, just that word trying mentally takes you out of it. And it, it kind of means that, oh, you, that you're not really doing it. But the truth is you're doing it. You're in it. You're doing the thing that you want to do. You know, you might not be where you want to be yet, but you will be because you're doing it. You're doing the work. And I say, we're doing it because I'm in it with you. We're all in it. And all of us are together in this. It's not, you're not alone on an Island with someone who doesn't understand your struggles. Mm -hmm. You know, we're all, we're all in this together as Troy from high school musical would say, <laughs> you know, the, the truth is, is, 
We're doing it. All of us. Bring it back, we're doing it.